0: Ruchim Shem HaShem weekly Wednesday night cheer starting a few minutes late of course but we are here Baruch Hashem we are starting embarking on Chumash formerly known as Teres Kahanim First Parsha, Chumsh Vayikra. Tonight is Zayin Oder, well, the night between Vov and Zayin Odr, Yorca Tadrashag of which we spoke in other Rishon, and Shabbos Pashas Zocher. Zakhr Esa, Hashem, ucham Malik, remember what Amalek did to you. days there were people known as Yeshuvniks The yeshuvnik was an unlearned man, unlettered man. And generally they would go out, they were laborers, so they would go out and find themselves a the local town not necessarily Jewish-populated. One, two, three Jewish families. Wherever they can make a Parnosa, they can make a livelihood. And the Yeshuvnik would gather sometimes with two or three other Yeshuvniks in the town, or locally, in the local area and unitedly they would hire a melamed for their children they were on a letter, they couldn't read, they couldn't write total ignorance so they would hire a melamed, a teacher, to teach their children one time one such yeshuvnik received a letter from home his old shtetl he received a letter from the shtetl but he couldn't read he went to the malamed you know obviously you know how to read with the kudus, without the kudus, irrelevant with or without vowels please, read to me the letter and the Malamed un- opens the letter, unfolds the letter, and begins to read to the Yeshuvnik a letter written from his mother, notifying and telling the Yeshuvnik of the horrible, horrible news, Itzlan, the passing of the Yeshivnik's father. Immediately the Yeshuvnik faints, I'm sorry, I omitted to, to say tonight's year is the Ilan Nishmas, Refraim er, bin Rabbian Chanayan Yantaflipa, and Shmuel Yaakov bin Mesha, and Jeanette Bas Ibrahim Akhaim. And a full for those who need it, Dina Bastiba, etc. blessed with long life, happiness, joy health and see much nakas from their family, their children Kitzer Yishuvanik hearing of his father's passing, fainted on the spot and the stoic Malamid remained standing Remains standing and practically stone faced, totally unaffected, unmoved by the whole thing. So, Krishna Dakasha people asked him that letter you're holding, it's a very severe letter, it caused this man to faint. And yet you stand there stone-cold faced. It says to him, it's not my father. We learn Teda. Teda is an essential part of our life. Teda is our life. Learning Tera and doing mitzvahs is what it's all about. It's our ultimate mission in this world. The problem becomes when the sage sits and studies Tera and he learns the tremendous amount of Tera but doesn't apply it to himself. When it talks about in the Tera, our father of Inu Shabashomayim, our Father that's in heaven, our Father that we're doing the mitzvahs for, that we're following, that we're causing in nachas ruach for, they separate themselves. Nisht my tate, not my father. The mechol beliner, hold the altar back in Lubavitch used to use this muscle very often time and the lesson is a very very potent and powerful one we need to apply the words of the teda as those that are directly Applied, applicable to us. Not just applicable to us, but that are talking about our Father. Not somebody else's, not a foreign item, not a foreign thought, but our Father. It's extremely important that you say. We apply the Torah. as it now begins, the new book the Taylor of Chumash Vayikra, known as Tadus Kehanim. When they teach the little child by his and they cut the little boy's hair, three years old, and that beautiful little child now has his little pais and he sits there by the malamed on the lap, and he hears words of Teda. The custom is they take the Aleph-based chart, the, letter, the Hebrew letters, and they put honey on it, and the child licks the honey off as he repeats each letter. He reads each letter, actually. And licks the honey off to see how sweet the Teda tastes. And then he's shown the letters many khabaris on the first Omid of the Sharblat of Tanya. And he's taught his first Pasuk in Taylor of Yikra El moishe That's not the first Pasuk. The first Pasuk is Bereesh's Bora Ali Why then? Do we start with Vayikra? And this, the Medrash Vayikra Rabba asks, Mipnei ma'amashchilin letinoikis? Why do we start? Why do we begin to teach the children? The k'haram. Ve'ein mashchilin bi'bereshis? And we don't start from bereshis. And the answer is, Elisha tinoikos tehoidin? The children are pure, and the sacrifices are pure. Let the pure come. And let them deal with the pure. The pure children. The infant of only three years of age. He's not old enough to understand what it means to keep Torah Mitzvahs. But the first Jewish text they start, according to days of yore, days of yesteryear, from forever and forever, the first words that they begin to learn from is the book of Vayikra, the Chumash Vayikra, Teiriz So in other words, the Madish is telling us That Vayikra teaches us about Karbanes. And since the children are pure, and the sacrifices are pure, let the pure come deal with the pure. Sacrifices are pure? Whence do we know that? The only place ever mentioned of sacrifices being pure were those offered by Noah. After the flood, Neach, it says, he made a mezbeach, and he took all the pure animals and all the pure fowl and brought them up as burnt offerings on the altar. As korbanis oila. There we see the word pure. Pure referenced here as the kosher animal. And what does Rashi tell us? Why are they pure? They are destined to be pure for B'nai Yisrael. This is Rashi, chapter 7, verse 2, in the Chumash, Beresh's Genesis. first book in that case we see that the concept of Karbanes which Neach brought, the sacrifices predated not only God's command to bring Karbanes not only God's command to differentiate between the kosher and non-kosher animal but even the era of the patriarchs of our forefathers predating even to that and we know sages teach us if you keep in score at home the Gimara Kiddushin Pei Beis Aleph, where the Gemara tells us that our always kept, observed the entire Tera, even before the Q. So making reference to the Kabani as pure, the Medesh alludes to the potential of the sacrifices to reveal God's essential love for the Jewish people. Which is when? A bond that predates and transcends even the attachment we develop by observing his theta. Mm. Mm. Accordingly, we can understand the tradition to introduce the children. The Torah study of the book of Ayikra. When children start in the yeshiva, they start learning long before they become a mitzvah. Before they have the obligation of observing Torah mitzvahs. Not only that, they don't even understand how. That daughter, from infant on, that they have to wash negavasa. Parents train them to make brachas before they eat. When they become b'mitzvah, then. They have the obligations putting on chill and and all the other mitzvahs. Until then, the only reason they know what a mitzvah is, they don't know what a mitzvah is, the only reason they know the word mitzvah is when they do something good, everybody sings to them who did a mitzvah. But children from infantile on being trained for the duties that they will upon, that have upon reaching the age when they become a Mitzvah. So when they start to read the Tata, it symbolizes a Jew's inherent connection to God and His Torah, A connection that transcends even the observance, the actual study of Teda. And it's laws. Because the sacrifices reflect this pure, inviolable relationship with God. So therefore it's most appropriate that the pure come deal with the pure. The parsha begins Adam We've discussed this before. There are different ways of describing man with Adam, Enish, Ish, etc. Why choose Adam ki mikam? Why choose the word or the phrase Adam to make reference to the person? The answer is because Adam refers to Adam Adishin. Just like by Adam Adishin Everything belonged to him. And therefore, he could never bring a sacrifice from something that was stolen from Gezel. So, too, Adam when you bring a carbon, you have to bring it from something that's yours, not from Gezel. Not stolen. But it's an interesting way of expressing it. The Pasuk says, Adam ki mikem. A person that will sacrifice from you. The wording is wrong. It should be Adam mikem ki person from amongst you that brings the reference is exactly that Adam Kiakriv is from me, from within you I've told this story before I find it very very poignant and on the mark as we say a famous story about Shem Kodesh that a man came to him Rabbi Vidgar and he gave him a sizable amount of money to distribute Shemta was very happy there was a lot of poverty in those days Baal Shemta said, what can I give you in return? Shamta was a man great sainthood and was offering him a blessing of anything he wanted. He says, the rabbi, please I have everything I need. Money to the kazoo I have enough, I can never spend this in my lifetime. I have Baal Shem children I have houses, I have properties, I have I have a fortune. I really, really don't need. The Rebbe says, you live in Brody, right? He says, yes. Can I ask you a favor? He says, sure. B'A'Rishem said, I want to send a letter to the person that's in charge of the charities in Brody. That, okay, will you deliver it? He says, sure. And the pens the letter, seals the envelope, and gives it to the man. The man travels home, and is a big businessman. So, many things happen. Many things go on in life, and he totally forgets about the letter. not very nice of him obviously but he forgot about the letter as time went on the wheel of fortune started to turn on him his fields went up in flame, his forests went up in flames his fields got flooded basically he was destitute Wiped out. Started selling things. The creditors took away his house. He was totally... In order to feed his children, he was selling his clothes. One day, he was pretty much running out of his clothes, even, and he was cleaning out a jacket in the pockets to go sell the jacket. He found an envelope, a letter to the head of the charity foundation of brother Brody, the Boshemtiv gave him 16 years ago. says wow. wow how could I have done this what kind of person am I how could I have forgotten this so immediately he ran to Shul he said who's in charge of the Tzedakah Foundation I told him as a matter of fact Rabbi Tzedek and Rabbi Tzedek was appointed this morning as head of the foundation. Hmm. Really? Okay. Tell me about it. Maybe I I should, if I have heads up, maybe talk to him a little bit. (laughs) So he told him. He's a tailor. Poor tailor. Sit in the back of the shool. No one paid him any heed. Worked very hard, very long hours. And barely scraped together a meager living. Recently, over the last few years, he had to turn the czar needed a suit and he heard about him he asked him to show him a suit obviously he was petrified but the czar asked he sold him the suit the czar was very happy ecstatic and he ordered for the palace for the people of the palace and he started to make money and then they ordered for the whole army uniforms 5,000 guzma uniforms and he had to hire workers we opened a factory and He's very matzliach. Very successful. And he never forgot his days of poverty. He remembered them very well and he started to give back to the society. And he's very, very helpful to poor people. Marries off children of the poor. Make sure they have Shabbos, make sure they have Yom Tev. Wonderful fellow. And this morning he was elected to become the gabai of Tzudaka. Rabigda runs inside. And he explains, I have this letter sixteen years in my pocket, I forgot to give it. I'm very sorry. It's from the Bashemtev. And he opens the letter, Tzadik and it reads to my dear friend Rib Tzadik. Congratulations on your new position being elected as Gabay Tzedaka. The man before you, Rabbi Victor, used to be a very, very wealthy man, but unfortunately, he took everything for granted. He felt he deserves it; it's his. He earned it. He earned his nachas. He earned his money. Everything was his own doing. And because of that he had to be taught a lesson, unfortunately he lost everything. Standing before you now, he's a destitute man with nothing, the shirt off his back is going. Please see to it that you help him, get him back on his feet, because he's been humbled now and he'll know how to deal with his wealth in the future. And if you don't understand, you don't believe me that this is all true. I'd like to give you two signs. First of all, this morning you were elected as gabay tzadik, and secondly, today your wife, your pregnant wife, is going to give birth to a little boy. And as soon as he finished the letter, somebody came running into the shul, and said, "Tzadik, tzadik, your wife just gave birth to a baby boy." Six. Six years later Baal wrote this letter with exact target when it had to reach to its destination knowing exactly who it had to reach when it had to reach him when the situation would be what it had to be and when it would help the most this is the kayak this is the power this is the lesson that he taught the person Adam Kiyakriv Miken why sacrifices, why offerings, why commandments The truth is, the significance that Taylor attributes to this animal sacrifice is not something that we just can grasp. It's mystifying. What happens here? You take an animal and they slaughter it. Beforehand, they put their hands on the head. They say the vidri, if it's a khat, whatever it might be. It's slaughtered, and uh, they put it up and they burn it. Honestly. What does that have to do with serving God? If a Jew wants to attach himself to God, Something more focal, something more fasting or praying or learning, a spiritual exercise. What does a physical, mundane animal being sacrificed and burnt have to do with connecting to God? But the truth is, however, that this significance of this carbon of this sacrifice. Lies exactly in what this seemingly lack of spiritual thing is. Karbon. Sacrifice doesn't call it something nisraf or something. It's called a carbon. Karbon comes from the word karayv, close. Which indicates, of course, that the purpose of the carbon of the sacrifice... Is To arouse and express the Jewish persons, Jewish people's inherent closeness to God. Daddy, Daddy, you're we taking the baby to the hospital. Why? I, I don't know. What happened? I don't know. Billy Rubin. You put under the light, that's all. Okay. So okay. At right. Okay. Okay. hope so Okay, fine. Uh-huh. Okay. So put it under the light. Very high, Billy Rubin. Okay. will pass Sarivka, Miriam Nucha. Foolish Lema. Reuben, so this brings about the closeness to God we develop through observing His commandments and this way we understand why a sacrifice can atone for a, draveda, for a transgression. A carbon Reveals the sacrifice reveals the Jews' essential and unbreakable bond with God, and through this, they repair any deficiencies in the relationship caused by breach of Taylor observance. The Jewish Person, the average Jew's capacity, spiritual capacity in the service cannot adequately express this. Because the bond with God is not contingent on the Jew's efforts, experience, it's just a result, the bond with God and the Jews is a result of the existential choice of his beloved nation therefore we see that when a Jew brings a korban, brings a sacrifice he forms the unbreakable bond between himself and God Something that a spiritual thing cannot be accomplishing, because he takes it into a physical level. And this we then see by another curtain. There were different levels of sacrifices. One would bring a cow. One would bring a sheep. Where are you going? From where? Where is she? the man was too poor couldn't afford a pigeon they brought the mincha the mincha was a grain offering But it's very interesting how the pasuk cites it. The nefesh kisakriv, the soul, not the person, not Adam now, nefesh, the soul, kisakriv korban mincha, the sacrifice called the sacrifice mincha. Using twice the word sacrifice, korban, and mincha itself means the mincha sacrifice. A grain offering, offering. <coughs> Who did it? Nefesh. The soul brought it? Tells us, Mufarshim, yes, the soul brought it. The person is destined, to, the person not destined, the person is very, very poor. And all he could put together was a flower offering, a grain offering. So the offering that he's bringing is nefesh. This is his essence. This is his whole soul. This is his whole existence. His whole life. You have very often time. There's an appeal, appeal and shul. And this guy is always shooting off the thousand, the five thousand, the ten thousand dollars. Baruch Hashem, Hashem should give him. He should be able to pay it. He should always have it. She's outside waiting for you. then you have whole different people making pledges big numbers, big numbers, big numbers and one guy says I give no, is not it's not five dollars five dollars Ms. five dollars he says no that's what I can give and when you look and you check and you investigate this person's finances, you find out indeed these five dollars was is, is blood money. He's giving his whole life away. He doesn't know where he's gonna get his next loaf of bread. But yet he's giving five dollars this five dollars to him is more than that rich man's 50,000. And therefore, Teresh refers to it as nefesh. It's giving his whole life. But why offering, offering, grain, offering, offering? Redundant. The Medesh and Teresh Kahanam tells us, what is the reason for the additional word? To tell us about the other parts of the offering. There's an animal, there's the flower, there's the, this, the, <coughs> a pigeon. There are other things that were donated. And they also go on the altar. These donations stand alone. Oil, wine, incense, wood... They're all components of a larger sacrifice, but they can also be offered individually. The Medrash looks at the wood, for example. It's among the components of a sacrifice. How? How does that work? Where are you coming from? The, the wood is only used to fuel the fire on the altar and mind you the fire on the altar comes from heaven the wood is put there don't want to use the word but pretty much make believe it's just to make it look human to make it look the worldly thing is happening but the heaven sends down the fire So where does, the fire, where does the wood become such an essential part? But in a certain sense, the wood accompanying the sacrifice represents, Posh the lying theme of all the karbanis. How so? Even more than all the other components. The Ramban explains... We said before, what is the concept of a carbon, of a sacrifice? To wake up the person, to wake up the, one, the individual himself, to offer himself alone. His inequalities, his character, to offer this to God. But what does he put on? He puts the animal as a substitute. And it substitutes him physically. But the person still needs to give a spiritual offering. I know. In particular, each carving draws attention to a unique aspect of a person's character. That the person has to channel into the service of God. A commonplace thing to all the Karbanis, however, is the underlying readiness of a person to actually bring himself, ultimately his own, his entire being to God. One is willing to totally devote and dedicate. This self sacrifice that's required for every offering is represented by one component that all the sacrifices have in common and that's the wood the wood used to fuel the fire and there's a good reason for that, why? because the firewood is the epitome of selflessness and abnegation unlike the other components of the sacrifice that bring the smell, the incense or the pouring of wine or oil it doesn't bring any kind of pleasant incense any kind of pleasant fragrance the burning of wood unless you're one of those guys who is very naturally into nature and likes to sit around campfires and smell the burning wood And smell afterwards from burnt uh, fire. But there's few and far between. It doesn't add that. Nevertheless, in order to facilitate this arousal of divine favor, which ultimately will be attributed to someone else, the firewood is entirely burned and consumed. Does the firewood alone that meets the definition of korban a sacrifice? Korban shlomim, we eat meat from it. The korban mincha even they take off the certain part part of the oil and the flour together, the grain and the rest they can have. The khanim can partake of the water, the oil, the, the oil, the, the, the wine, all these other libations. There's something there that's useful. The incense, the smells the wood has zero. We gain and benefit nothing from that wood afterwards. Yet, the wood is a component that lights the fire, that keeps the fire going. And this is therefore the nefesh, it's the nefesh that is sakrivs Korban mincha, the double, double expression. Vayikra yeah. El Hey, welcome, Scranton. El-Mesha is called to first passage, first words of the pasuk the Parsha. Vayikra is Vav Yud Kuf Resh Aleph. What is an Aleph? Aleph is a Yud above and a Yud below and a Vav in middle, connecting. The letter Aleph of the word Vayikra, and he called. This word is, is laden with a Paradox. On the one hand, the name of the letter Aleph is related to Aluf Yishe the Aluf, the chieftain, which refers to God Himself, Aluf the chieftain of the universe. Another thing, in addition to this, the letter Aleph is what distinguishes God's communication with Moshe and with the with Bilam or the other. Um, prophets of the non Jewish nations. They were called Vayikar, with the word Vayikar, not Vayikra. Here, that letter added a Vayikra, and he called, unlike the Vayikar that denotes coincidence and impurity, it just happens to be that God met them and called them. Vayikra denotes affection. On the other hand, despite the prominence of the Aleph, of Vayikra, it's written very small. Smaller than the other letters. Suggesting it's trifle and insignificant. So we see that Vayikra, the Aleph, representing God himself, the Aleph in the Vayikra is causing that this is the way is being called in a much higher level, in a much more affectionate level, by God. And on the other hand, it's written so small. This is the message of the word Vayikra. To call out. Vayikra is the mission that God asks of every Jew. To call out to others who may be distant. And draw them close to Teda and his observance. A person needs to know that a person who accepts upon himself this holy task of Vayikra is imbued with an Aleph representing Alufa Yishalelem who empowers him on his behalf. He therefore can and must go about Godly's mission, God's godly mission with a spirit and strength authority and confidence in his ability to positively impact the environment. And this is what we spoke about. To make sure that the father that's being referenced in the letter is not a foreign father, is not somebody that's detached from me or you, but it's our father. Each and every one of us need to apply this as our personal father. And although the person goes out, and gets another Jew to put on and gets another Jew to do a mitzvah to keep Shabbos, or whatever mitzvah it might be. At the same time, the person calling this out recognizes his strengths, his accomplishments, are not his own. They're only by the virtue of being an agent of the Lufvish Therefore the Aleph is in a small little letter. As we heard in the story of Avigdor, who didn't understand the humbleness, didn't understand the modesty that needed to have with all the blessings that God had bestowed upon him. And therefore, had to go through, unfortunately, this bittle to reach and to become, to return to his original status. And that's why the Aleph is in a smaller letter than every other letter of the word. This Shabbos is Pashas Zacher, Rabbi say The four Pasha's that we discussed, Shkolim zachar, Pura and Chedesh. Shkolim is either Shabbos Mevarchim or Shchedesh, Other. Then we have to obviously skip at least a week, because Zakhar is the Shabbos before Purim. As is the Shabbos. Zohar is Ashe locha Remember what Amalek did to you. The year 2448 on the Jewish calendar. Today we are in the year 5779. Tells us the Teira that it does not change neither the scene nor the story nor the characters do not change remember what Amalek did to you as you left Egypt reference made in Pashat B'Shalach, not in Kiseitze. Pashat Zohar we read in Kiseitze. It is imperative men, women and children, Min Torah, to to go here, Pashat Zohar. Many, many shuls make provisions for this. In the main shul, 770 Eastern Parkway, there is a minyan at 820 for Pashat Zohar another million at 9 a.m. for Pasha Zacher, where the men, the women can come and hear, as there's a million of men that get together and make a million of kites and the Balkhari will stand on the central bima of the shul, and will belt out Zacher. Now well, the people are learning, and people are studying, but there's a patch given on the bima, on the main table, and that Pasha is given on the table, on the main table, before they start to read. And then they read Pasha Zacher. Pasha Zacher you cannot manage to get to shul chas v'shalom or for a good thing woman childbirth etc you can go to shul on Purim by day and they read again about the reminder of Malik from the pastor from Beshalach at the time by Yovey Amalek and you can be Yaitza with that Preferably, of course, to listen to Pasha Zohar and Shabbos, Shabbos before, but if you cannot make it, then by coming to Shul on Purim and hearing the Kriya Sotera of Zohar says, in Bishalach, would be able to compensate that. Amalik has a numerical value, like every word has a numerical value, Ayin Mem Lamid Kuf, 240. Another word with a numerical value of 240 is Sofik, Doubt is 60, fey is 80, and Kuf is 100. Amalek throws doubt. Casts doubt. And this doubt that we cannot decipher when we all of a sudden want to do a mitzvah and something all of a sudden says, eh, maybe not. This is Amalek. And we need to eradicate this Amalek. Hopefully, Meshem, next week, this year, will be in the afternoon. It's a fast day, and... Excuse me, and the... um, And we'll be reading the Megillah at night, so it'll be impossible to make and give a share. So hopefully, Meshem, we're going to record a share next week in the afternoon. I don't know what time yet. A little bit about the Megillah. In introduction to the whole story of the Megillah. The Pasuk starts of Vayihi It was in the days of Achashveresh. And the Gemara tells us, if you're keeping score at home, the word Vayhi is always in Tsar. What was the reason for the Tsar, this terrible pain? The mere fact that the Jews were in exile in Paras under the rule of a non-Jewish king. Even though the Rakhashvedish did not really torture the Jews, not persecute the Jews up until the decree of Hamara, Russia the descendant from Amalek and the whole miracle then took place just the opposite Ahasuerus actually put Mordechai on a very high pedestal But when a Jew is put into an exile by b'imei, automatically is a and Tsar. And therefore a Jew needs to learn the proper attitude and approach of being in exile. Where although we feel almost comfortable, as long as BDS is not in your backyard, as long as some man is not walking to your wife with a double stroller on the street and kicking it, you're feeling good. In broad daylight. Sometimes a person thinks that's him good in Gullus. God gives him money, God gives him things. Got no problems. And he says, hey, it's all good. Not only Physically the Jew needs to want to be happy also spiritually. But sometimes in nations where you have plentitude and there's no boundaries, nobody's telling you you can't keep Torah, can't keep mitzvahs. He feels good about himself spiritually as well. Why run out of the gallus in that case? Why run? I'm doing good. I lack nothing. This is what Teriz Chaim tells us. It enlightens up, it enlightens us the life of a Jew. by The only, the ex, mere existence of a Jew in the days of exile is tsar. Although he feels that he's doing great and he doesn't miss anything. Therefore, as long as we are out of our holy land, and we are in Golos, the person needs to know that it's because of Chateinu, because of our sins. and Therefore, he's obviously not doing whatever he should be doing. Just the opposite. The person needs to see to it that they heal all the maladies spiritually and physically. <clears throat> this is what the Megillah teaches us right in the beginning. As long as the Jew is in exile, it's and Tsar. It's Trouble. And this is from the Chateinu. And therefore, the Megillah is not looking to make a Jew depressed, Chateinu Shalom, but to show him that we can, we are going to be redeemed and we're going to get out of this mansora and we'll awaken the, the, and therefore we need to strive and we need to push for the Geula Amitus Vashlema may be this very, very Shabbos a good Shabbos to all, and don't forget to go here. Pasha Zachar. Shabbat Shalom.